morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 20th of April, and my name is Helen Freer. So we've plenty to talk about this morning with company earnings results continuing to come in, as well as some inflation data. So I'll be talking about the latest market news with my colleague, John T. Warris. Then Carsten Menke will give us his thoughts on the impact of China's economy on the demand for industrial metals. And then finally, Nicola Jordan will provide an update from the CIO office. So let's start, as I mentioned, with the latest market news. Good morning, John T. So what would you like to highlight from yesterday's market action? Good morning, Helen. Yeah, so it was a pretty uneventful session yesterday, all being told, with corporate earnings being the main focus, really. US equities were mixed in rather quiet trading session yesterday, closing just off their best levels. The major European indices also ended around flat, not far off the day's high. In fixed income, US treasuries were weaker and we saw some curve flattening. The two-year yield is now up over 25 basis points in the past four sessions and by 50 bips since late March and is currently trading at around 4.24, while the yield on the 10-year was 3.59 when I checked a moment ago. Also, not much to report on uh, currency movements. The US dollar was a little firmer versus the yen and the euro, but closed slightly weaker on the sterling cross. In commodities, gold closed down 0.6%, but off its worst levels, while Bitcoin fell back below the $30,000 level. WTI crude settled down 2.1%, ending back below the $80 a barrel. Late yesterday, the uh, Fed's latest beige book didn't reveal too much that we didn't already know and was broadly in line with recent economic data showing a slowing in economic activity, disinflation and easier labour market conditions. Okay, you mentioned it was all about the earnings season. So any specific company news to report? Yes, certainly. Morgan Stanley rose after its investment bank and uh, giant wealth unit surpassed expectations even as its profits fell. This comes as a number of press articles yesterday noted that bank earnings are showing little signs of strain following last month's turmoil in the banking sector. Tesla reported Q1 earnings yesterday too, with adjusted earnings per share missing the average analyst's estimate. The firm announced that it would continue to cut vehicle costs, improve production efficiency, lower logistics costs and remain focused on scale. And French cosmetics giant L'Oréal reported very strong Q1 sales yesterday, gaining 13%, outstripping expectations of 8.1%, as it reported strong demand across regions and business divisions. Interestingly, the company's growth in North Asia, which includes China, was just 1.9%, the only region to trail market estimates. And investors will be closely watching for further commentary and corporate earnings on China, The reopening of the world's second largest economy has given a boost to global consumer brands, including luxury names. And last week, uh, French luxury stocks Hermes and LVMH saw their quarterly revenue jump, also in part thanks to Chinese shoppers. L'Oreal's performance this year has further boosted the fortune of its biggest shareholder, Françoise Betancourt Myers, the world's wealthiest woman. And this comes after the company acquired Australian luxury cosmetics brand Aesop in a takeover deal worth over $2.5 billion a fortnight ago. And we got some inflation data here in Europe yesterday. Can you shed any more light on these figures? We did. UK's CPI data showed that Britain's inflation rate remained adamantly high in March, which will strengthen the case for further interest rate rises at the Bank of England, after many thought that the central bank had already concluded its tightening cycle with its March hike. The UK Consumer Price Index rose 10.1% from a year ago, which is marginally down from 104 in February but still stubbornly high and not yet in single figures, as was hoped, given the forecast of 9.7. The data revealed the strongest increase in food prices in more than four decades, according to the UK Office for National Statistics yesterday. 
And in the EU, CPI data yesterday showed that inflation in the Eurozone fell to 6.9%, down from 8.5% in February. Also here, though, core inflation remains stubbornly sticky. And anything to report out of Asia this morning? Well, we had Japanese trade data come in overnight, which shows that Japan's export growth slowed in March, dragged down by a drop in shipments of cars and steel to China. Asian equities are trading broadly lower this Thursday morning. The Nikkei and the Topics are mildly in the green. The Hang Seng and the Nifty 50 are trading around flat, while the Korean Kospi and Shenzhen Composite Indices are trading in the red. In other Asian news, a severe heatwave continues to engulf parts of the continent, with some media describing it the worst April heatwave in Asian history. This is prompting fears that the high temperatures could lead to severe drought and potential crop failure this year on a widespread level across the continent. And let's finish off then uh, looking at the day ahead. What data are we expecting out today? Yeah, well, hot on the heels of yesterday's CPI data for the UK and the Eurozone, we've just seen German producer price index data come in, which shows that producer prices in Germany fell to 7.5% in March against a forecast 10%. And later today, we'll see US initial jobless claims and existing home sales data, along with Eurozone consumer confidence numbers due out later this afternoon. A quick look at the futures board shows that European stocks are poised for a bit of a mixed start today. Well, US equities are set to open in the red later as investors weigh up the mixed corporate earnings and the latest assessment on the US economy. Great. Thanks very much, John T, for the roundup. Now, Carsten, earlier this week, we had data out of China that surprised to the upside. So that's good news for industrial metals, isn't it? Well, good morning, Helen. Uh, Not so much, actually. Um, So while the economy grew faster than expected, it became clear that China's reopening recovery was very much consumption and services driven with construction lagging behind. Growth in fixed asset investment, which is very closely tied to construction activity, moderated in the manufacturing and infrastructure sectors. Infrastructure was one of the strongest sectors during the past few months, reflecting the government's ambition to support construction activity as weakness in the all-important property sector persisted. Related property fixed asset investments shrank again in March, mirroring another steep decline in the new floor space started and underpinning our assessment that the Chinese government is only aiming to stabilize but not stimulate the property sector. What you're saying then is that China is back on track in terms of growth, but it's not the right kind of growth. Is that right? Yes, exactly. So what we saw last quarter is basically a normalization in consumption after last year's lockdowns. Remember when all of Shanghai was closed last year and the same happened in other cities? Back then, consumption was basically zero, but at the same time, China kept its factories and construction sites open, which is why metals demand did not really suffer last year. So how do you see the demand for metals evolving this year? Well, we currently expect more of a, say, sideways trend in metals consumption, very moderate growth or maybe no growth at all, considering that the global economy is struggling. Hence, exports of Chinese manufactured metal-containing products, such as electronics or household goods, are unlikely to see very strong volumes. All in all, we thus believe that none of the industrial metal markets should show any kind of shortages. The markets are more than sufficiently supplied. Taking a little bit of a longer-term perspective, what would you say are your most and least preferred metals? Well, in the longer, in the medium to longer term, we still see a diverging picture based on bottom-up fundamentals. So the copper market exhibits the most favorable backdrop due to strengthening demand from the energy transition, 
which is more than offsetting weakening Chinese demand, while also benefiting from a slowdown in mine supply growth from the middle of this decade. So we reiterate our constructive view on copper, while remaining of the opinion that better entry points should open up at some point this year. And in contrast to that, uh, the iron ore market exhibits the weakest fundamentals due to its very strong dependence on China's construction sector, which is facing well, structural challenges related to unfavorable demographics and slowing urbanization. So against the backdrop of these challenges, we see more downside than upside for iron ore prices going forward and remain cautious. That's it from my side. Back to you. Great. Thank you very much, Carsten. Nicola, great that you could join us this morning as well. So markets have been a bit calmer recently, even though you've actually been emphasizing the increased risk of a recession in the US. Do you think this is the calm before the storm? Yeah, thank you, Helen. And good morning, everyone. Times are calmer indeed, but uh, this is not really surprising after the immense volatility we witnessed just a few weeks ago. It's difficult to say whether this is the calm before the storm, but it seems that market participants are a bit in a wait and see mode for now. Last week, we have seen inflation numbers more or less in line with expectations, and with no further immediate credit crunches inside, it remains unclear how the Fed will move in their next meeting. And as we have explained in earlier editions, the Fed remains key for the short to midterm trajectory of the equity markets. So I think for now, investors are just digesting incoming data and are looking for clear signals that would drive them in a particular direction. So how are you navigating the current environment then? Well, for the time being, we also do not see any clear signals that would indicate major opportunities or also major risks in the market. And so we are pretty comfortable with our current portfolio construction. While we do continue to have a constructive outlook on the economy, and in particular on the ability of the corporate sector to deliver positive results in the ongoing earnings season, we don't think uh, that we would be compensated enough to take on a higher risk, since the probability of a recession has increased, as you mentioned earlier. You also mentioned before that you're comfortable with your current portfolio construction. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear what such a portfolio looks like. Can you share any more on this? Sure, happy to do so. Well, our strategic asset allocation for a balanced portfolio is actually pretty basic. 5% cash, 40% fixed income, 50% equities and 5% alternatives. On the cash and the alternative side, we are pretty much neutral, so not much to report there. However, we are slightly underweight in the fixed income bucket as a whole, but we continue to see quite some potential for some particular segments in the next few months. In light of the recent developments, we actually moved up the quality ladder by liquidating our US high yield position and reallocating the proceeds to investment grade corporate bonds and US treasuries. On the equity side, on the other hand, we are slightly overweight for the moment. But also there, we try to focus on combining defensive value and quality growth segments. The reason we are comfortable with this positioning is that it allows us to catch the upside potential with a pretty limited downside risk. However, we are, of course, prepared to take a more defensive stance should market signals call for it. That's all from my side. Back to you, Helen. Great. Thank you very much, Nicola. So that's it for today. Thank you to our speakers this morning and thank you all for tuning in. Do join us again tomorrow when I'll be joined by more colleagues to talk about what's moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. 
The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Business Leaders is a monthly podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs across the globe. We delve into the details of how they started their careers, their journeys in building businesses, and hear about some of the challenges that they faced along the way. Search for Business Leaders on your favorite podcast player.